Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. And I'm Dane, the... That's a trademarked thing I was going to say, so let's go with the cheese powdered crunchy snack. Okay. Fuck, I said the word crunchy. I wasn't supposed to say that. That was a joke. <laughs> Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and play some games some of the time. Uh, Dane, what is up today? Today we are going to be talking about crunchy rolls. Uh, follow up to our episode about uh, when the GM rolls mm-hmm. themselves, uh, we thought we would need, we should and could, so we will, talk about uh, Try and the fucking GM, stop us. Uh, asking for players to roll. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, everybody has their own meaning of words. I'm sorry, this is really early in the morning for me. Um <laughs> The word crunchy, what we mean by that is extra, we've used the word crunchy before in our podcasts, we mean like extra stuff that you don't need in there Mm -hmm. that uh, is unpleasant. Well, sometimes crunchy can be pleasant to chew. See, this isn't it's not a It's not a perfect metaphor, I guess, but... um, It's just too early. In that episode, a couple episodes ago, we talked about... Uh, you know, this sort of design philosophy where we were homing in on where we reduced for sure the amount of rolling that a game master did. We we like the design philosophy, right, of a game master basically just narrating and then only asking for rolls when it's, you know, something only on the player. Only rolling themselves. Yeah. Only rolling themselves for a few things and having the players kind of roll for everything else. Yeah. Now we're talking about don't go overboard with asking your players to roll right. for everything. Now, now we're talking about what is and when is and how much is appropriate to ask your players yes. to roll. All right. So first, if you haven't had enough of our talking in circles, uh, we're going to talk about our role theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to move on to the why, air quotes, mm-hmm. behind rolling. And then we've kind of split up roles into hard roles. Not your bread rolls, just Mm -hmm. wait, wait. And then soft rolls, also not dinner rolls, so just wait on that one. Mm -hmm. And then, what does it all mean, Basil? (laughs) We're going to bring it in together. All right. No, we're going to watch Austin Powers on the show. (laughs) And you're going to just listen. This has now become... An Austin Powers watch podcast. Apocalypse sci-fi... I don't know. I was trying to do a mystery theater three thousand joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I can't pull that sound bite. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Let's let's recap our role theory. I guess briefly. Um, so I guess we're freeballing it. What? No, the it says role one. theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at when systems call for a role or just freeball it. Oh, forgot to fill that in. Oh, that's a note. Yeah, that's an unfinished right, so bullet point. Systems, different <laughs> game systems call for a role in different instances. Yeah. We had a note in our outline to maybe look up some actual language from a game, but we did not. Mm. So, you know, they usually say stuff like, uh, oh, when the character attempts an action, mm-hmm. make them roll for it. And some systems, you know, 
a role is just kind of a catch-all for anything you ask from your players, but, you know, a more robust system like Dungeons & Dragons has descriptive, like, there's a difference between an attack role, an action role, a check, and a save. Mm-hmm. Those are all different things, and you can have, like, bonuses to your dexterity saves, but... It doesn't help your dexterity in any other situation, Uh stuff Uh like that. So understanding uh, the system that you're playing, when it calls for a role, and how it it defines different types of roles. That's essentially... Oh, so it's just, it's different from system to system. But it basically comes down to when a character does an action or wants to alter the outcome of something, they roll, Mm -hmm. right? Now, I believe it's Forbidden Lands that says something along these lines, uh, that roles should be linked to the drama. Yeah. And I think uh, even if a game doesn't come out and explicitly, you know, say that, I think that's just, that's kind of a truism of pen and paper role playing. Yeah. That's our our theory. When you're going to do a role, yeah, this is now our theory, our theorizing. If you're going to ask for a role, it should be somehow linked to the drama and the conflict in the situation. Um, if there aren't stakes to that action or the decision being made, or if the, if there's if there's no stakes on the outcome, there's no dramatic uh, tension or either way suspense. Yeah, then there's probably no need for a role. It just happens. You just describe it, or you, you know the players are allowed to just describe that they do. Such and such. And again, different games, depending on how intense and robust of a simulation they're trying to be, um, will will gamify more or less of what you're doing. Most games won't ask for a role when you're like, oh, I go up to the bartender, I order a drink. All right, yeah, you just Yet, do that. Very many game masters will do that exact thing. Yeah. Right, because it's like, oh, do you piss off the bartender and then like to try to get screwed on price or anyways? <clears throat> we'll talk a little more about that later. Mm-hmm. So, our theory is roles should be linked to the drama. If there are no stakes, then there's no role. Yeah. All right. Now, breaking down the air quotes, why behind rolling? <clears throat> I put the quotes on my outline. Nice. Roles are modified by character stats. There are some exceptions. Sometimes a GM will ask for, you know, essentially a coin flip or whatever, an Mm -hmm. odds or evens. Um, Or just like a flat dice roll, like maybe it's a loot dice. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know, how much gold do you get? Um, Yeah. And just they've got whatever math they're thinking about. What is a reasonable amount of gold for you to loot off this bandit? Mm -hmm. Uh, Give me 2d8. That's how much coins you get. Something like that. But for the most part, it has to do with your character's stats. Usually most games have some sort of um, modifier Mm -hmm. to the roles where it's like, oh, if you have attribute points, like, you know, this many attribute points gives you a plus, this many gives you a minus. Your different physical and mental, you know, yeah, traits are, are represented by numbers, positive or negative in some way. So roles usually tie into that. With that, you know, skill or ability modifier, then they simulate risk, chance, and luck in real life. 
right? Because that's that's like you know the whole point of a stat block is to get specifics and like oh specialization like this person's really good at swinging a sword but not really good at talking to girls mm-hmm. um you know that kind of stuff so like you roll for it because it goes both ways right uh, somebody really good at something can still fail right like maybe their footing was wrong when they took their shot or you know the ground was wet or their hands were wet or whatever. Right. Right. But also, somebody really bad at something can hit that one in a million shot sometimes, you know? Yeah. And that's what, yeah, the dice are there to, the dice are there to kind of arbitrarily make that decision, the to define success and failure in certain situations, and to open it up for you to describe dramatic and interesting results when the outcome Mm -hmm. is in question and you know to maintain a resemblance of uh like fairness right because like yeah the dice are impartial whereas the game master maybe you know there was a a exchange where you took the last beer and then like you know you're like my character wants to do this and the game master's like okay they die (laughs) you know because humans be petty. Yeah. I will say, a little aside, we haven't experienced very much of that. I remember when we were first, uh, you know, circling this hobby for the very first time and we heard a little bit about, like, other we groups. We did hear some anecdotes. And anecdotally, it seemed like, and I've heard this more, especially, you know, like on the internet from older players who came up... Uh, in like the 80s and 90s playing these sorts of games that there was much more of like an antagonistic relationship Mm -hmm. between dungeon masters and their players where like the dungeon master considered it their job to make things hard and hard and difficult and and punish them for you know the fun things that they tried to do (laughs) uh that's not really been our experience and it it seems like it's changed um it's shifted i guess you know towards something where, you know, to, to a degree, it was always a cooperative, imaginative experience. But uh, I think I think everyone kind of wants the same thing, which is for, like, satisfying drama and mm-hmm. resolution now. And I, I hear a lot less of that sort of stuff these yeah. days. And it's definitely, it's never really been a thing in our groups. But mm-hmm. Man, imagine play, you, doing a hobby that gets you made fun of usually. Yeah takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, like, you block off your whole Saturday, and then being mean about it. Yeah, like, then being mean to each other about it, and being like, oh, that's, mm. Wow. Well, you didn't, uh, you didn't test every flagstone in this dungeon with your ten-foot so, pole, yeah. and I'm gonna make sure the one that you didn't test is the one with Spikes, a lethal bitch. trap in it, type of shit. Uh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I can't imagine that being very fun, but maybe it was, I guess. I don't know. Hurt people hurt people, I guess. That's, that's, uh... (laughs) Yep, all right, moving on. So, uh, breaking down the the wire rolling, uh, forgot the air quotes, right? It's a simulation. Yeah. Right? We do our best That's, that's why you do rolls. And the dice are the, um, the dice are kind of like the computer working behind the screen, to uh, to do the simulation with a little bit of randomness. But yes. they are influenced 
by um, stats. They're influenced, yeah, by skills and physical and mental abilities, whatever. And in doing that, they they simulate risk, chance, and luck. All right. So there are things called that we have called hard rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call them hard rolls because they are rolls that cannot be avoided. Yeah. Um, which, of course, varies by system, sure. Always, yes. Always does. But, like, some general ones, like combat. Combat is the best example of a hard roll. Yeah. Like, you just cannot really get around it. Right. And maybe, you know, maybe your system is... Maybe your system doesn't have, like, attack rolls. Maybe you always succeed in the attack, but there's still going to be, you know, a roll for, like, how good you do, damage. Most mm-hmm. systems have you roll to see if you succeed in the attack first. Um, combat is really the best example of it, but it extends to, you know, other combat-like things. Um, you know, situations where you are negotiating or, uh, you know, playing a game gambling or, uh, you know, some sort of, like, physical sport or activity. Sure. You know. Um, so there, you know, there there are situations stakes. where a yeah. roll is definitely required because failure is a real possibility and not a closing of a door. Otherwise known as stakes. Yeah. Right. So we talked about stakes previously in one of these bullet points. Uh so, like, these are the stakes we're talking about, right? Like, if you are in combat, the stake is you can get hurt. Yeah. Right? You might lose. That's what's that's what's on the table is... Right? Or gambling. Yeah. Like, you're going to beat the dealer in 21 or you're not and you're going to lose your money. Right. Very clear stakes. Stake. There is, yeah, there is something up for... Gambling is actually a pretty great example if you like pull out and uh, you know the like gambling theory mm. sort of it applies to you know combat in an RPG system or like you know negotiating with like a hostile party something like that what essentially you're putting up right you're anteing up your success condition you want to win this fight you want to convince them you know not to throw you in the dungeon or like in actual gambling, you know, mm-hmm. you are putting up your money. That's what's on the table for you to lose, losing a fight, losing at something. Mm-hmm. And then a, you know, a reward on the other side of that is like you win, you, you get a payout or, you know, you beat the, you, you beat the combat encounter, you get to move forward. Gambling, as a gambling is a good description of you know when a hard roll is required when you have to put something up for mm-hmm. you know stakes stakes is what you it is put, right right as you, you got to put up stakes for something uh well i was going to uh, as egg would say uh-huh. put your nuts on the table <laughs> dane does not say that egg does yeah egg says that 
Anyways, also uh, I don't think he I don't think he says that in a in a way where like that's a big part of his philosophy. He says that to be funny on the internet. Yeah, but which it is. He yeah. is so good job, nailed it. <laughs> uh, but like, right? So like, gambling, you have like a deck of cards, right? So like, there's a probability attached to each card, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. So like, you're act. The player is actively uh, fighting against something and you know fighting was a bad term to use because then i'm gonna try to translate that to combat right so in combat right two characters are trying to do harm to each other right so they're both going to try to do harm without receiving any harm Mm -hmm. so you gotta roll for that right you know the randomness yeah right you know little little variations so you know you have better shoes than i do so you have more grip in the slippery grass Mm -hmm. Right can make all the difference in a combat or sports or you know whatever hard roll it is. Right. So what we're trying to say is hard rolls. There's clear stakes to them. Mm-hmm. Failure leads down a road. Success leads down a road. Right. It's not like a closed door. Like oh well you fail so you got to move on. Right. Something happens. Something bad happens or something good happens. And that's. That that that's a good little place for us to tie back to the roll theory. We've we've said that it's not a closed door. Mm-hmm. You don't want to roll to ever you know do something like that to just like shut off one avenue completely forever. There needs to be interesting ways to proceed in either outcome. You know, mm-hmm. and combat is again you know one of the easiest examples to reach for because. The stakes are both characters are putting up their hit points or, you know, whatever, their their physical safety, their yeah. their life, um, and trying to take it from the other character. Well, now you're rolling, and there's not really a way around that. I mean, there are systems that don't use dice that, you know, use things like playing cards or, mm-hmm. you know, spending resources or whatever, but essentially, like... That is where you need to use let, the crunchy. Let it up to yeah. Let it up to the to the dice gods. Yeah. Leave it up to the dice gods. Not let it up to the dice gods. What are you tired? Yes. <laughs> so right. so with that in mind, <clears throat> soft rolls are just the opposite. Yeah. They're rolls that can be avoided. Why? Because they have unclear stakes. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's let's talk about unclear stakes. So, unclear, I mean, it's it's difficult to describe right. because well, it's, like, it's unclear, trap. but like, yeah. Looking for a trap. Right. Those are pretty unclear stakes because is there even a trap right. to find? Was there a trap to find, like, uh, you know, blind, uh, blind perception rolls? Like, I do a perception. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like, in Dungeons & Dragons... Like you might ask, hey, can I do a perception? Can I can I do a check? And your your dungeon master might say yes. And then you roll, and then you add your modifier. Um, but you know maybe you don't know you don't know what there is mm-hmm. to find or not find. You don't know what the difficulty class of that check was, if there is anything there. And so the game master might say, uh, you don't notice anything out of the ordinary. Oh, what the fuck does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, does that mean 
There's nothing. There's to nothing find? to find. Or I just didn't. Notice. Or that I didn't notice it. Or that uh, you know. Right, like mm-hmm. so that that sort of like soft role situation. It's funny that like D and D because D and D has another like little separate step called you know passive perception, mm-hmm. right? And like what Cosmo was saying earlier in the episode, like it's one of those that like your perception modifier doesn't always translate to your passive perception. Like you can get that bonus in other ways and mm-hmm. stuff, but like. Even though it has a passive perception, there's a big old, you know, list of stack of memes about how D&D is combat and perception rules in sentence. Yeah. And... But, like, you have a per, uh, a passive perception stat. Why are you still rolling for perception every time you walk into a room? Well, I can shed a little bit of light on that historically. Shed, um, baby. And it actually it ties back to uh, a couple episodes ago the um, the discussion we had about like how much should the game master be rolling, mm-hmm. and we kind of landed on there's a way you can do it where the game master rolls nothing, rolls not at all, and only ask for player rolls. Um, there's a uh, you know th- there's a way that you can run Dungeons and Dragons using the passive perception and also just like keeping. Like if you're the dungeon master, you keep a little list of Their certain stats. certain stats for all your players, so that you can behind the screen, if you're you Do know, everything. if you're very clear, or if you're very you know concerned with um, running it like accurately and legally, according to the rules and according to like the stats in the monster manuals and stuff. You have it behind the screen so that you can roll their, like, passive perception. Um, or you can roll perception checks for them without them knowing that they... Without asking for a perception check and generating that confusion, the dungeon master would consult their little list of player stats, roll for everybody as they enter a room, and then tell them if they notice something instead of asking for them to do it. Because when you ask yeah. for a perception check or when a player asks <coughs> for one... Sus. The, sus, yeah, sus, it, sus. it creates a tremendous amount of suspicion. But if you just secretly do that behind the screen, um, you can you know you can accurately use their stats to see whether or not they saw anything. Mm-hmm. If there is anything to see, because you know if there's something to notice, you know if there's something hidden. Right. You're the dungeon master. You're God. Right. Um, they might not know. Well, they don't know what they don't know. Right. But we do know what we wait. Well, I'm doing the joke. All right. <laughs> so, but I want to circle that back yeah. again into that last episode. I think, I think there's no need to do it. If all mm-hmm. of that occurs behind the screen, then why, why gamify it yeah. like that? Why be, uh, why be slave to these rules? Right. Just decide. Is it more interesting and dramatic? For them to notice it or not notice it. Mm-hmm. And then make that be what happens. Just describe it instead of secretly consulting their stats and rolling where they can't see it. Hey, you know? I think something that didn't make it on to this outline is rolls can also be a way for a game master to catch up. Right? You know, mm-hmm. it's a little pause in the action. It adds, well, you know, it adds crunch, but that's the purpose of it is like I actually don't 
Like, I'm off script here. Yeah. Like, and I don't, players are off the fucking edge of the map. I don't know what actually happens. The dice will tell me. Right. It's like, please, I yeah. need some help. Um, but I think that's uh, a habit, and habits can be broken and formed. Um, so if you find yourself needing a bunch of crunchy rolls in there to, you know, have a moment to think of something to improvise, um, you could probably trim that down with some work and just get, you know, a little more comfortable improvising. And like, I don't know, my personal game master philosophy is just like, let the players slay. Like, (laughs) you know, if they're trying to do something ridiculous and you're like, eh, I don't see how this like fits into the story. But like, so like, I have no idea what my failure would be or, like, what their failure would look like, roll for it. And then, like, eh, you rolled, like, a 12? That's pretty good. So, like, sure. Mm-hmm. Right? And don't think about it too hard. You know, give the players a little dopamine and move on. But, uh, all right, enough about that, because I think there's still some more to say about soft rolls. Yeah. So I think, or we think, um, soft rolls do have a purpose, besides giving the game master a little break, uh, players are trying to gain an extra advantage, right? Like, that's what you do. That's why you just say, I percepts. I want to, you know, look around the room. I want to, you know, look around the woods. Mm -hmm. I look, I look, I look, right? Because you're hoping for a high roll. That's a way that I really like soft rolls where, you know, like, I love it if a player's like, well, can I roll for something? Like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to ask for it. Yeah. But, uh... Uh oh yeah hey I'm, like I want to see where this goes. You rolled a really good you know, I'm not gonna really punish you mm-hmm. for uh, rolling bad or rolling like under whatever arbitrary, uh, yeah. you know target number it is. But if you roll really good, I'm like yeah uh, just give me give me a smart guy roll, see I'll what you see you, a bone. you know, and then you fucking nail it. Well then. I mean, it, like, it, it creates this, you know, dopamine loop that is mm-hmm. kind of core to the pen and paper role-playing experience. You do something like that. The roll is really high. Everyone is excited about that because it's just, it's fun to roll dice, right? And it's funner to get high dice results. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I tell you, okay, so, you know, while everything is going down and, uh, you know, you're going to, like, have this showdown in the, in the castle, you notice that he's standing just under the chandelier and you notice that over there is the little, you know, the, the knot that holds it up. And that's how they lower it to put new candles in it. It's right over there. And you're like, okay, I just gave you, I increased the, the, the drama in the situation because you asked for it, Mm -hmm. you know? And now instead of like going right into the fight, maybe you spend your turn trying to maneuver there to cut the rope and uh, it's just like something different, something more interesting, and it feels good for players because it feels like it feels like it came from them because it came out of their dice roll. Mm-hmm. But if you biff it, nothing bad is going to happen. Right. It's like you don't suddenly it, yeah. go blind. It's it's not a hard roll where you know the outcomes are uh, you know a fork in the path, yeah. and it's one way or the other. It's just you know. Am I going to give you something cool and additional, mm-hmm. or are we just going to continue right. 
with what's already happening. And here's where it gets murky, ladies and germs. Was the chandelier there the whole time? Mm. Or did it only come into existence after the player asked for it? Mindbreaker. If I'm game mastering, no, it didn't exist before. I made it up. Your dice roll made it up. Right, so, and I'm, I'm the same way. So to hit it home with the, the soft rolls having unclear stakes. If your players ask for something, you know, like that, or like, you know, maybe it's not, you know, a, a more standard, oh, I look around the room, maybe it's a... Um, we're kind of like in the bar doing like a little performance, you know, or like, you know, just chatting to people. It's like, I want to do a fucking backflip off the table onto the bar. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are the stakes? Uh, maybe you miss and like spill some drinks and now people are mad at you or you embarrass yourself by not landing it. Yeah. Or you get a little hurt. Obviously it would be horribly tragic to break your neck and die yeah um but i think that's very extreme probably shouldn't mm -hmm. have that as like a failure outcome i mean because they're I, just trying to do a yeah. fun little thing right? and and some people might say well, well like yeah if you if you not won that then maybe you should be risking death by doing that but i don't think that's i don't true. think because that should happen we're we're not trying to simulate reality right we're trying to simulate drama yeah um we're, we're trying to simulate you know like an action movie, mm -hmm. or uh, you know, you know something like that. So when when Frodo does that and you know falls and makes a big mess and commotion, draws way too much attention to himself, and also puts on the ring like an idiot. Uh, it's dramatic, but like I would never kill a character mm -hmm. for something like that. I might give them you know like a sprain sure. or something because yeah. like that's dramatic like oh i was foolish in the tavern before and some assassins snuck into the inn yeah. at night and now i'm you know at, at disadvantage for a couple of rolls because i hurt myself i might do that mm. but i don't think i'd ever kill a character for because essentially what you're doing there is you're punishing them for role playing yeah they got up, they were trying to, like, mm -hmm. they were trying to carouse as their character. And that should be rewarded, if nothing else. And I would say hurting them a little bit is a little bit of a reward for their role-playing. Mm -hmm. Because it's, um, you well, know, it's additional simulation. Yeah, they could have succeeded. Right. And, you know, there has to be a risk and reward kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think that goes very well with what we were talking about earlier. With, like, you know, the game masters being antagonistic uh like 20 years ago yeah because like if they're role-playing like they ask for oh is there like a chandelier above the guy and like where does the rope go like why would if they fail that role like why would you punish them for that they're thinking outside the box they're mm -hmm. role-playing and they're trying to make so the whole situation more fun and interesting for mm -hmm. everybody and right. it's it's kind of bleeding out of, you know, how much are you doing in character? How much are you, you know, just collaborating on the storytelling? Uh, how much are you trying to just, like, inject drama that wasn't there mm -hmm. before? But, like, it's all the same thing. It's, it's they're, they're all, um, it's all a gestalt of the role-playing experience. Yes. Um, but, yeah, 
So bringing it back, it can be really hard uh, to not automatically punish your players uh, for soft rolls because the stakes are very unclear, mm -hmm. right? Um, because your players don't really know the stakes, right? If they're like, wait a second, if I want to do this backflip and I fail, will I die? Yeah. Like, that's usually something they don't ask and don't think about. Right. Right. Um, so just, you know, soft rolls, rolls that can be avoided. Uh, you know, the stakes are kind of murky, right? Basically, what we're saying today is soft rolls are okay. Yeah. As long as, you know, the players are trying to gain an extra advantage. So give them, you know, roll with them, improvise with them. Right. I think I think the only sort of issue with soft rolls is when uh, when players think when players think they're they're necessary when when mm -hmm. players yeah. think it's a hard roll and they're checking everything or whatever that's when you know it is it's a good move on the part of the dungeon master game master whatever to step in and be like hey you found everything there is to find yeah move or on. like th this is not this is not what this is about, or I didn't prepare for this. Uh, the there's there's nothing else worth gaining from doing this, and no matter how much you roll, there's nothing to find or there's nothing to achieve. It's it's worth stepping in to say that and curb a like a chain of soft rolls that's getting out of hand yeah. and tell your players that's all there is here. Right. Instead of being like, well, you could roll for it if you want to. Yeah. Because obviously they could always do yeah. that. They because, could like, always keep rolling. You know, it's one of those instances where you're, you might be uh, buying time, right? Because they're like, oh, well, I, I look around the room. And they're like, mm, Game Master plan is to go through this room and not spend any time here. Uh, oh, they're going to check every single brick mm -hmm. for a trap door. Um, okay, well, roll for it if you want to, while I think of what happens. Yeah. Just say, nah, you don't need to roll for it. There's nothing here. Mm-hmm. And like, that is okay. And condense, I would say, if they're like, oh, I'm going to check everything. Well, I'm absolutely not going to sit here and <laughs> tolerate you rolling for however many, you know, like bricks and possible things. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to let you do that yeah. at my table. Because that's a huge waste of time. I'm going to ask for one roll. You know, give me one smart guy roll or one perception roll to... And I'm going to say that, yeah, you spent an hour searching everything. It's it's not worth... It's not worth anyone's time. To have all them crunchy to, rolls. Yeah, to do a separate perception check for every single thing in the tavern or whatever. Or the whatever. You just... Combine it all into one thing. Give me one roll. Okay, you search the whole room. This is what you find or you don't find anything. So what does it all mean, Basil? Yeah. Ah! No, it means... It doesn't mean that. Uh, what does it mean? Right? So... Having players... Spelled that wrong in the outline... Uh, roll for doing simple actions adds crunch to the gameplay, right? Like making a sandwich or an exercise routine. Wait, oh, some things like a sandwich or an exercise routine are better with a little crunch. <laughs> Joke. I like it. I especially uh, <laughs> like the sandwich one because I can't eat 
a sandwich without putting the chips in the sandwich. Mm-hmm. I always do that. Uh, so we think role playing is not one of those things that's better with a little crunch. And there's this crunch that cannot be avoided, i.e., hard rolls. Right, but uh, we think it's time. Uh, we think it is time to rethink mm. asking for perception rolls every time the players walk into a room. Right, like the what we were saying about like you tie it to drama. Mm-hmm. Right, so if your players are insistent on searching every room that you walk into, sure you can do that. You know, and there's ways to condense that. But also, you could get into the habit of saying like. Here's what you notice when you walk into the room. Right. Like, here are the things that your character sees because they have eyes mm-hmm. and are looking. And, yeah. So, uh, essentially a philosophy of, like, some of this, a lot of it, that has historically been tied to dice rolls. And, you know, some game masters are better or worse at this. And worse, I, I, I don't even necessarily like to say, say that, that. But yeah. um, some game masters do this differently. But essentially, what we're saying is there is there is a uh, there's maybe more that you should be giving your players for free mm-hmm. because your players are players at the table, right? But their characters are living, breathing characters in this world, and with their senses and mm-hmm. their their context clues and all their you know their. Uh, their built-in knowledge from growing up in this world and also just, like, regular being alive, you know, they would just, like, they would notice the basics about, you know, being in the room. Yeah. So tell them more up front. Give them more things for free without asking for perception rolls or smarts rolls to, to find it or notice it. Just... Assume that they notice most of yeah. what there is to notice, unless it's deliberately hidden for the purpose of drama, mm-hmm. and finding it or not finding it are two separate, equally interesting outcomes, and spend the time that you have, mm-hmm. spend more of the time that you have, because as we've iterated many times, it's limited, and it sucks how limited it is, the time yes. you actually get at the table, spend more of the time you have at the table Interacting and interesting role playing and yeah, fighting monsters and stuff. Yeah, uh, I think it's Forbidden Lands um, that talks about this exact thing. Um, And like, if there's a trap door in the room and the players have time enough to like search for it, they're gonna find it. Right. Right? Like, you know, oh, there's a bookcase here and I don't know, we're in the wizard's castle and they made us wait in this, you know. 4A. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this is bullshit. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look for. Yeah. I'm gonna rummage around. Something interesting. All right. So you have time to touch all the books, touch yeah. all the candle. Uh, mm-hmm. And you notice, sconces. hey, this one's not a real book. It's some sort of lever. Mm-hmm. Now. The you just yeah. Right. And I I love that design philosophy and specifically that language of mm-hmm. like. If they're in a if they're in a place where there is something to find and they have a reasonable amount of time to find it Mm -hmm. they just get it yeah they get it for free right so 
Because then what what happens? At, like, think about what happens. What happens after that is your party is making interesting decisions, hopefully in character, you mm-hmm. know. They're thinking about, like, what do we do with this information? They're not asking for the information they don't have. They're not agonizing about, you know, what they don't know because they don't know what they don't know. They have as much, you know, actionable information as you can give them right off the bat. And then they're making interesting decisions instead of, you know, rolling to see. Mm. And the big one about that is don't hide important story content behind a wall that you need to roll for. Mm -hmm. Right. We've definitely said exactly this before, but we're reiterating it because it's good design philosophy. Classic example that ties into the Torque thing, or not the Torque thing. Classic example of the thing of the Forbidden Lands that we were just talking about comes from the Torg murder mystery that I tried to run. Um, if you've been a longtime fan of the show, you've probably heard me talk about this before. Uh, in the role-playing system Torg, uh, I tried to run a murder mystery. I had this, like, intricate web of all these clues and leads and false leads and, like, you know, a dirty cop and this cop's really, you know, this cop's clean, this cop's dirty and, like, you know... This whole fucking movie web, mm-hmm. right? Trying to do like a, a classic mystery where like everything kind of doesn't seem to connect until you find that one little piece and then everything makes sense. To my credit, I think I did a damn good job behind the scenes. I'm sure behind the scenes it was like a cool <laughs> fucking mystery web. However, that's not where role playing takes place behind the scenes. It takes place on stage and it stunk why because my very first mistake that ruined everything is like they go to the crime scene and there's all these little clues Mm -hmm. they didn't find a single fucking one of them (laughs) because they all had different role difficulties and they all rolled like shit so like i said you don't find anything in the room what are you gonna do next and they're like we don't know (laughs) and so we kind of like we knew one cop was no good and i think we just tried to frame somebody else i can't even remember i blocked that out in yeah. my brain cuz i'm embarrassed <laughs> we 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 didn't have the actionable information and so we went with like one of the only things we did know was that like we didn't like one guy and that he had some problems with somebody else mm-hmm. and I, I don't even remember these characters. All I remember is just that, like, we ended the session... Frustrated. ...doing kind of just like a weekend at Bernie's trying to make... Trying to make it someone else's fault. Um, and, yeah, so that that specific language, and if it does come from Forbidden Lands, I don't remember either, specifically. One of the recent games yeah. we've checked out. But that's just... That is terrific advice... Where, you know, like, if your players are in a space where there's anything to find and they have a reasonable amount of time to find it, then they get it. Right, because your players are there. Yeah. They're there, breathing the air, tasting the smells, smelling the tastes. Looking with their fucking eyeballs. Hearing the water dripping behind the wall in the cavern. Mm-hmm. Right? Those things the player cannot perceive. But your character is there, living it. Right. So, like, you know... You ever do that 
and you know, I know. Well, I'm pretty sure you did because we were in the same class, I think, at this point. But the 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 like grade school assignment of like write instructions for making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Where like, like you have to assume. Well, you you the purpose is to like show kids that like people make a lot of assumptions. Yeah. And like context is so important, mm-hmm. and you're gonna bring so much of your your own just, you know, baked in knowledge to a situation, but pretend you didn't have that. And someone's like, oh, get out the peanut butter. Okay. Uh, Stab the knife through the jar lid because you didn't tell me to open the jar. Right. You didn't, like, you skipped a step that you took for granted that you make an assumption about. And think about how much more interesting it is. Like, you walk into a cave. Your your party is in a cave. How Mm -hmm. much more interesting of gameplay is it for them to be making weird little roles to see, to try and like find out what they don't know, mm-hmm. or to put them in a cave and say, after you spend a little time in here, you notice a couple of things and give them, you know, give them a couple of threads that they can pull on. And maybe they split up and pull on all of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they try one thing in a certain way. Like, you wanna, you wanna be giving them tasks and options. You don't want to be right. waiting for them to discover stuff. Yeah, right? Because that's that's boring, right? Like, you want to eat the sandwich. You don't want to roll for getting the jars out of the cupboard, opening the bread, opening the jars, getting a knife out of the counter, you know, sticking the knife in the jar, spreading it on the, you know, that's, that's too many rolls. I'm already bored. Right. I just make the sandwich. Mm-hmm. My character knows how to make the sandwich. Yeah. So think about think about those assumptions. Think about the built-in contextual knowledge that they get for free by just like being alive in this universe. Mm-hmm. And so, our framework, right? Are you serious, Austin? I just told you. <laughs> our framework for when to call for a role, mm-hmm. right? A role needs stakes, okay? If the stakes are unclear, consider not asking for the role, mm-hmm. right? But we already discussed that. So what does the player gain with success? You know, some sort of advantage, right? Or, you know, they hit the person that's trying to kill them, right? right. A sword fight is a great example of these stakes because, you know, you kill the bad guy, you get to move forward, or... You know, and your the stakes are you're risking harm. Yeah. Success, failure, both conditions are clear. Mm. Right. Or like you know, a soft roll. They're trying to gain an extra advantage by noticing something. Yeah. Secret or, like, entrance. You know, gain some sort of advantage. Right. What do they risk by failing? Well, maybe nothing. But it's a very interesting idea, and you want to see where they're going with mm-hmm. it. Right. So once you have stakes. You can add the drama, right? Stakes makes the drama. Whether the player succeeds or fails, something happens. And that's directly from Forbidden Lands, I believe. Right? If they fail, the game doesn't just stop, right? Like, something happens. Something dramatic is supposed to happen. Otherwise, why were you rolling, right? And roles should be linked to the character's stats. Right, and obviously there's exceptions. We talked about some of them, mm-hmm. but in general, rules should be links. Right, so if the action is just something an average person can do, like open an unlocked door, 
probably don't roll for opening that door. Right. No need for a roll. Because remember back up at the top, the why behind rolling. So rolling simulates risk, chance, and luck in real life. And they should be influenced by the character, whatever, their mental, their physical, whatever modifiers they have, however that is measured in the game you're playing. And if it's not, then, yeah, if it has nothing to do with how good or bad they are at something, Mm -hmm. uh, why are you asking for it? And this one we didn't really, we didn't talk about this at all. But uh, it's like a pro move in the framework. Maybe, like, characters' backgrounds can come into play to save a crunchy role. So, like, oh, you're, you're a you know, veteran ranger. Mm-hmm. You don't need to roll to find the trail of the, the person you're tracking because you, that's your whole fucking job. Yeah, that's your job. You do it. Or, uh, you know... Like, in D&D, you get, you know, your background and you get some tools and shit. Uh, I had a dwarf who had, like, brewer's tools or the brewer kit, whatever. Um, And I thought that was a neat thing because it made me think about uh, their background and, like, how they spent their spare time and what they could do. You're like, hey, your character, you know, has this. As a game master, cool thing to do is instead of asking for a role... You're like, oh, you have brewer's tools. You know a little bit about this. Well, in this little workshop, you notice, hey, that barrel in this, like, distillery, mm. that's not connected to anything. Sus. Like, why would that yeah, be there? It's I, not It's not part of the, it's, it's not part mm. of this apparatus. Okay. And you knock on it. Oh, it's hollow. You find, because you knew this, because of the context that your character had without rolling for it, I'm just going to give it to you, but I'm going to explain why I'm giving it to you. You notice that it's not connected to the other apparatus and devices, and you find out it's a fake barrel with a little secret door behind it. Ooh. Um, Exciting. And now, instead of asking for a roll with the potential of failure and closing off an option to them, you've given them an additional option. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, instead of rolling for it, they're going to talk about the next... Uh, yeah. You know, the, the path forward. Mm-hmm. What is their next decision going to be? Not what is the next thing I can notice because I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, a little off topic, but... Um, so, like, the using your characters or using your players' backgrounds, your player characters' apostrophe backgrounds... Um, can be a good way to get them to role play, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, oh, well, I don't know, your background is, you know, you you uh, had a rough childhood raised by, like, the church. So you're automatically suspicious of, like, clergymen and priests, right? So, like, instead of, like, the players being like, oh, I want to, you know, roll to see if this guy is shooting me straight right you can just say you don't trust them yeah they they're giving off weird vibes Mm -hmm. nobody else is picking this up but you yeah and then you leave that up to the the players like well is this because i'm prejudiced 
or is this because there's something really going on? Right. I'm going to ask my friends for help and like, maybe could you guys, you know, just like, he seems off to me. What do you think? Right. And then they're like, mm, I don't know. I roll for it. So you didn't really avoid a role, but you got some good role play out of it. Yeah. Some drama. Yeah. You, uh, you know, you came to a role, I guess, like, you know, a little more honestly. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's do our recap. Because I think that's about. Yeah, that's yeah, about it. Yeah. Okay. So what did we talk about? Well, we talked about our role theory, mm-hmm. right? So systems call for a role generally when players try to do an action, right? But roles should be linked to drama, mm-hmm. right? If there's no stakes, then why are you rolling? Right. Is essentially think, our theory. Think about why you're rolling and think about the why behind why rolling is a mechanic in these games. Right, because it's supposed to simulate, you know, real life, risk, skill, mm-hmm. chance, luck. Uh, we talked about the difference between hard rolls and soft rolls. What hard is rolls. definitely necessary mm-hmm. and uh, essentially what, what, uh, what we came to is it is a matter of what the stakes are right. in the situation. Clear, obvious stakes... That's probably a hard roll, can't really be avoided, mm-hmm. right? It's go down path A, go down path B. Ambiguous or, uh, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, more ambiguous stakes, that's a softer roll. Mm-hmm. It's fine if your players want to come to you with one, but you probably don't need to ask for them. We recommend just kind of giving them the information they need to then make interesting decisions and move on to the hard rolls, the, the stuff that right. you can't avoid. The fighting. And then we just talked about uh, bringing everything together. Uh, and we arrived at a framework for, you know, flowchart. Like, does this need to be a role? Well, what are the stakes? There needs to be a clear, like, success. What happens when they fail? Something. Mm-hmm. Right? And then that's where the drama comes in. Whether it's a success or failure, there's always drama that follows the role. And they should be linked to character stats yeah. most of the time, obviously exceptions. But, you know, you call for a role for perception or dexterity or whatever. Right. right. So that is our... Uh, that's our crunchy roll episode. Yeah, that's, that's our thoughts about crunch and rolling, when to ask for it, and, yeah, asking for roles from the players. That's going to do it for this episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Um, if you like our stuff, head on over to 2HGM.com, where the first thing you'll see is a link to Afterlife, our first full-length RPG product. It is a world and a game system in a post-apocalyptic fantasy future. Yep. Um, please support us. Um, we're coming out with new stuff all the time. Uh, did you already mention Patreon? No. Well, we're mentioning it now. Yep. Uh, we got a Patreon. Become a patron. Get access to our Discord where we do fun live events um, and answer questions and, you know, try to make it fun for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that'll about do it. Join us next time for another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of the song Pondello's Finest. And we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.